Benny. Hi, buddy. Sorry, I was just wetting my whistle. Cool. I just, I was, I was mid, I was mid sip of my beverage. Are you properly wetted? Oh, I got you again. <laughs> yes, I am hydrated and ready. Outstanding. The, the tip of the tongue, the teeth, the lips. The tip of the tongue, the teeth, the lips. Yeah, we doing vocal warm-ups today? <laughs> Red leather, yellow leather. Red leather, yellow leather. That's our problem. That's what's been holding us back this whole time. We're just not warmed up. <laughs> this show would have been great if we'd been warming up for the last fuck. six years or whatever the fuck. Uh, I knew we were missing something. Good job. Were we not recording? Huh? Oh no, I meant in in our in our process. On our, oh, on our I thought you meant right now. See, look at. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Look at how, look at how much faith I have in our ability to even remotely execute the most basic functions of this show. Oh, did we fuck something up? Probably. <laughs> what I do? Chances are yes, we'd have. <laughs> Chances are high. Ryan, what has brought you joy since the last time we recorded? <sighs> Bruh. Uh, let's see. When this is this comes out in a couple days? Uh, a week. Yeah. Well, then my Although, EP's out, which is cool. Oh, I was going to say, like, are you anticipating future joy? But yes, you in fact are. No, yeah, I, I am. I am. I am. Uh, I am anticipating future joy. My, my EP is out. Uh, go listen. Anywhere you listen to music, just search my name. It's called Before What Came After. And I'm pretty proud of it. I think it's pretty, uh, some okay songs on there. And I'd love it if you listened. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's one. I, I'm going to say another one is that um, our men's rec basketball league has started up again. In fact, we are going to go play this evening and it was very fun last week. And I am very excited that that energy is back in our lives. So I had to miss. Well, it's it's been a disappointing start to the season for me. Our first game got snowed out, so none of us got to play. And then True. I missed our second game because I, I was on. My one annual vacation for five days that happened to miss hey. a fucking basketball game. Uh, but give me a quick recap. I heard we won. Any, took, anything else notable? Uh, uh, for y'all out there um, in, in listening world who have been accustomed to our previous basketball updates, our team name has changed this year. We are now uh, the Old Turtles. It's just not not the is. Old Turtles, just Old Turtles. Yeah. Great point, because the the really adds some cachet to it. But that by we removing don't have. that, we have, we are just old <laughs> we, turtles. We didn't That's earn all the... we all are. Nope, nope. <laughs> it's it's not the tribe called Quest or a tribe called Quest or you know whatever. It's, right. There's no. Yeah. Anyway, we could maybe um, if, if anything, we, if, if we were going to add something to the beginning, maybe like some old turtles. <laughs> but we definitely did. We don't earn. We haven't earned the distinction of the old turtles. <laughs> I like some a lot because some's like really beautifully dismissive. Also, it's just like, I don't know. They're just some old turtles that decided to pick up a basketball. Just, and yet we lost. We lost to a yeah. bunch of 40 year old men who never even played <laughs> high school basketball and have never actually been in shape, but certainly are not now. We did. Uh, yeah, it, it is remarkable that we win any basketball games at all, hey, to look, be honest. If you, and that's no shade at the people we played, by the way. That's that's. That's shaded us. If you play rec league basketball and you box out and you make backdoor cuts and you like your teammates, you're going to win at least they, half the time. Things happen. If you're thing, willing good to try happen. like just a little bit, 
<laughs> and not be a dick to your teammates, you can get really far in, in men's league basketball. I like that you called specifically out the concept of effort because, you know, some days we just don't have it. We just don't have the And those are the days that we lose to a bunch of college kids. <laughs> yes, yes. No, it was good, man. Uh, we play, I won't say specifically where we play, but we play in a in a high school gym uh, that is near an American Legion. And the best part of winning our game was drinking Miller Lights at an American Legion. Dude, that place is after outrageous. The game. You can get... Well, it's like two dollar beers on Wednesday nights. In, in I don't know, we drank we we drank exclusively pitchers. So yeah, the last time I was there, <laughs> I had like three or four beers, and honestly, I think I paid like six dollars. Sure, sure, that doesn't entirely surprise me in the least. And they have a touch tunes, <laughs> like you just you can't go wrong. There's a touch tunes. Someone was playing System of a Down. Uh, it was it was terrific, outstanding. And, any and the best part, any technical fouls. Uh, no technical fouls. Uh, sensational. One, 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 we were on our way. I'll say okay. we were on our way. We did. Can I, <laughs> can I guess who was responsible or who was leading yes. the charge? Yes, of course. Um, does it start with an A? Nope. Does it start with an but M? It's <laughs> yep. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say no, but it's related to an yeah. A. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yep. Yep. Good. Yep. No, hey, look, uh, they're they're they were holding they were holding down the fort for you while you weren't there to get it. I can always foul, count on so. Matt to be a dickhead to somebody if I'm not around. <laughs> Matt Matt always is trying to fight uh, the other team. I'm always just saying slick shit to the refs, and between the two of us, we're gonna get a technical. Yeah, Matt was stepping in for you. He was trying to say some slick shit to the refs. Perfect. Somebody has to. Uh, what had happened was okay. I'll actually just tell the story because we're being a little coy here. Uh, what had happened was the other team was not, uh, I would say, not particularly large in size, and so that's part of why we won is because we had uh, height and weight on sure. most players on their team. I'll do my part and, to bring uh, our average weight up this week. I can't help with the height. <laughs> appreciate, appreciate that. Appreciate that. Uh, and they, uh, because of that, they were following us. Uh, I would say slightly a considerable amount. Um, sure. And and actually many of them, if not most of those fouls were in fact getting called. So at a certain point, I think the refs looked at the foul disparity between the two teams and they're like, we can't keep calling fouls on these guys. Like it's oh. like, it's like 14 to three fouls right now. And so Matt I mean, got no, yeah, no, trust me. I'm not saying this is, this is the logical thing to do, but do you know how sometimes they're like, all right, this game's not moving very quickly because we keep calling fouls and we got, oh, so they just stopped calling quicker. fouls. At one point okay, in the game, okay. yes. I thought you meant they started calling some for the other team. What what actually no, happened no, no. makes more sense uh, than what I was envisioning. Got it. Got it. Yes. And 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 Matt was not thrilled with the fact that he continued to get fouled and not get called uh for the fouls that were happening. Look, I as a so, you know as a teenager and into my early twenties, umpired baseball and Yes. I totally understand the approach and often uh applied the approach of I'm going to call things in a way <laughs> that forces you to swing the bat. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Because we don't have all day. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so yep, yep. you can either stand here and look at three pitches or you can swing at three pitches, but they're going to be strikes either way. <laughs> <laughs> I am getting paid per game, not per hour. Exactly. And I'm going to exactly. make it, make it act like it. Look, you guys are like 12. You're not going to gain new skills by watching pitches go by. 
Yeah, yeah. Also, the good pitcher eye, is 12. Eye, he can't get eye. it over the plate three times in a row. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're just going to have to swing. So I get we're gonna, it. We're going to all have to work together here for real baseball to happen. What I'm saying is our, <laughs> us playing basketball at somewhere between 35 and 40 years old is roughly like 12-year-olds playing sports. A hundred percent. Exactly. Except I was yes. probably a better uh, athlete at 12 than I am now. One more quick highlight before we get into uh, before we get into today's episode from our men's rec league basketball game. I did get to debut my matching jersey and shorts that are Garfield airbrush airbrush themed uh, with like a Garfield orange piping around the sleeves and uh, shorts. Um, and it does say Monday on the back where the name would be with a red line crossing out Monday. Very important. So yeah, that is crossed out. Um, it is my favorite thing I've ever spent $75 on and I, (laughs) and I love it deeply. Uh, and it makes me laugh every time I put it on. I showed that photo to Katie when you sent it and we were on vacation (laughs) and it is the, the both the most and the most positive reaction she's ever had to anything associated with my like 20 years of playing rec basketball. <laughs> she has never, never given more of a shit about my, my basketball <laughs> career than your Garfield jersey, which really has absolutely uh, nothing to do with me. But well, she was a huge fan of that of that choice. I am. First of all, I'm absolutely honored to have her co-sign <laughs> one. I really truly am. And second of all, a thing that I would like to put forth is that they are still available online and we could have a team jersey. Yeah, you, why didn't you buy seven of them and spend <laughs> several hundred dollars <laughs> on Garfield jerseys? <laughs> hey, sorry, guys. League uh, fees went up this year. It's actually uh, double what it's always been. Yeah, it's, but but there's a really, really, really good reason <laughs> league fees are double this year. It's because you all get one of these. Amazing. Well, maybe. Uh, uh, all right. Maybe we can buy like one more, and we can give it and to it's our, a rotating our team. Set. No, we can give it to our team MVP at the end of the season. Instead of a trophy, mm. we have we have a an XL Garfield <laughs> kit. <laughs> Um, God, I wish I just wish we would all do it, man. It would like nothing would be funnier than showing. Think about the psychological <laughs> advantage you hold over your team when your My, entire team shows up wearing black and orange matching faux airbrushed Garfield jerseys. My whole approach at this point is I want the other team to be as embarrassed as possible if they lose to us. OK, well, I've given so, us a very, very, very yes. good <laughs> Good tool in that toolkit here. Usually, like just looking at us and you know watching us play basketball for an hour is enough. But mm-hmm. I think that would really, really Bro, nail the messaging. In. Yeah, I talked it in. I'm rocking the shorts nice and high. They're not very long shorts. <sighs> what it's, kind of socks will we doing with that? Uh, just mid calf. You got to do the mid calf. Okay. Okay. Got to do the mid calf shoes. Just, just what, like, do we, what do we you got? Some chucks or something? Yeah, I mean, you got to you got to rock what you got to rock. You know, we're 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 old turtles, man. You, you everybody got to preserve those ankles. You know, <laughs> the orthopedics. <laughs> you got, yeah, you got exactly. Some lifts in, the, in those things. <laughs> whatever you whatever you need to do to be able to continue walking after you play this game is that's what you got to wear on your feet. Our man. team is sponsored by Lasagna and Doctor Scholes. <laughs> Yo, if I, uh, okay, if I could be compensated in lasagna and Dr. Scholl's to play 12 basketball games a year, just that's it. You just get a pair of Dr. Scholl's and a piece of lasagna. I would be so stoked. What's up with you? I'd be so stoked. All right. Shall we? 
Yeah, but you didn't give me your joy. Oh, right. We just <laughs> it's 13 minutes in. We just uh, talked a lot about ba- men's rec league basketball. That's all. You're welcome, people who are trying to find uh, <laughs> podcasts about the topics that we cover. <laughs> you, who are all of our considerable uh, worst ratings yeah, on iTunes? All of you who like, searched just U- fucking talk about the topic. All of you who searched UFOs and then just fucking hated us. Um, <laughs> I was just at the studio. Working on a new Eric Mason record. Oh, you love to see it. So You really do. My joy for this week is that we're getting a new Eric Mason record in 2023. It's really terrific news. Yeah. 10 out of 10. All right. I can't wait. I got a weird one for you today, bud. Uh, Do you ever not? Do you ever not? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> okay. All right. fair, 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 fair. I got a bit of a, a, a grift for you this week, oh. which I know is right up your alley and we haven't done it in a while. So I love, love a good grift. I've said it before. I'll say it a thousand times more. This is, this is a weird one that I can't quite, <coughs> uh, can't quite figure. So maybe, maybe you can help out oh. a gentleman named Filippo Bernardini was arrested last year upon landing at JFK airport in New York um, by the FBI. Okay. Who alleged that he had, quote, impersonated, defrauded, attempted to defraud hundreds of individuals in order to obtain unpublished and draft books. Oh, cool. Well, not cool. I mean, kind of cool. Interesting. In, okay, yes. I'll say interesting. Not cool. There you go. Never cool. Never cool to def- defraud anyone of anything. But a fascinating crime that I've definitely never heard of. I don't think. Yeah. So he was charged with the the official charges were wire fraud and aggravated identity theft. Um. Whoa. And since 2016, had managed to steal over a thousand manuscripts from. From publishers. From a from publishers? So he was a an employee of Simon and Schuster in the UK. Okay. So he's got a leg up. And but was not using that directly as leverage to get these manuscripts. He Just had, using his industry know how. Yeah. So he knew you know, he had some amount of familiarity with the industry. Um although as as far as I could tell he had only been working there for like a year at the time he was arrested okay um but he had he obtained most of them by creating hundreds of fake domain and domain names and email addresses at those domains sure to impersonate uh, agents scouts etc at other publishers sure and did it mostly by just replacing like one letter with a letter that looked similar. So like, sure. You know, instead of an M it's an R and an N next to each other or like, whatever. So like pretty much every phishing scheme on the internet yeah. is done is like, Oh, Sony productions, but the D is a B. And if you're not looking at it, yeah, you just, so one of the account. domains that he, registered and used a lot was penguinrandornhouse.com. Exactly. Because the R and the N next to each other look enough like an M when they're all squeezed and right. the kerning that you don't think about it. And he knew enough about the industry to, to you know, create 
whatever agent's name in whatever format it was at the actual publisher. Sure. And with who to email and like new language and like publishing schedules and all that kind of stuff. Sure. So that that's where the inside knowledge comes in is like, I know the right questions to ask at the right times. Okay. But here's, right. I'm sure you're going to get to this, but here's my, my initial question about this is like, once you have a book from an author that is already owned by a publishing company, where, where did it like, do you just blackmail them back to get it back? Or like, I'm going to leak it if you don't, or he never did anything with any of them. Oh, okay. Awesome. Yeah. I'm so that now I mean, I'm full. Now I'm fully on board. That is the real mystery <laughs> of this whole thing is that he does not appear to have ever profited in any way by doing this. Okay. He never tried to sell them. He never tried to ransom them, ransom them back. As far as anyone can tell, like, Maybe there was another party involved and he was like passing this stuff along, but like none of these manuscripts ever showed up anywhere. They've never been like pitched to anyone else. Like they, it seems like he just was stealing them just to steal them as far as we, as far as anyone can tell. Yeah. So he was arrested in 2021. He just, uh, pled guilty last week which is also really weird. So like he was doing this for, but he started doing this in 2016. So he was doing it for five years before he got caught. Yeah. Gets arrested a year later, goes to trial, pleads guilty and is going to serve jail time without, without ever like having any apparent motive. Just, yeah, I did it. I got caught. Part of that pleading, excuse me, part of that, Pleading guilty though has to be like, I'm sure he I'm got sure some all the domains sentence. are, yeah, and all the domains are clearly attached to him. Like, there's no, like, he's probably like, if I go to trial here, I'm gonna lose. Like, I did this thing, you know. Sure. Another interesting <laughs> angle of it to me is that this scheme was like well known in in the publishing world for years. They just didn't know who it was. Because he, he stole so, over a thousand manuscripts across five years. So like he was stealing multiple books a week <laughs> for years and no one knew who it was until also weird wrinkle. The FBI arrested an Italian citizen for crimes committed in the UK. Okay, wait. Why? Okay. Uh, um. <laughs> I'm already kind of stumped. Why are you, why are you doing, why are you, okay, why are you doing this is I guess like the initial question, but like. That is the biggest <laughs> question for sure. What was the motive? But also, also, if this is a well-known scheme, how are people getting tricked into, because like I said, okay, wait, you're not really stealing a manuscript. Well, you're kind of stealing a manuscript, but like mostly aren't you just like, you're like what, preemptively leaking it? I mean, like, is he never his entire him, thing though. just. But I mean, you're leaking it to you, I guess. You're like obtaining an advanced copy, basically. Right. Which I mean, is that what this is? Is this dude was just like, was he like a just like a book pervert? And it was like, <laughs> it was like, it was like a thrill for him to be like he fucking 
book perv. Was he like, was that, you know what I mean though? Like, was he just like, so, Oh, like this, th- this is thrilling to me because I'm getting to read this like thing that literally no one else in the world has read except for me. And so that is like, that's what I get my jollies off about here. Like th- there are a couple, there's no clear answer, but there are a couple like weird data points related to that one being in as this went on by like 2020 2021 he started copying passages from the manuscripts and then emailing them to the authors of said manuscripts just to be like haha fuck you i, I got ha- your book i have your shit yep and a couple times when someone like realized that someone was trying to scam them he would get like hyper aggressive with them so the uh lila shapiro who's a writer at vulture um was working on a story about this and filippo somehow became aware of that okay emailed the writer Shapiro pretending to be a literary scout and then an editor at some publisher in the Netherlands and then agreed to meet up with this writer at Vulture in person okay and then the writer at Vulture suggested a meeting location Cobble Hill, which I don't, I don't know what that is or where that is, but and then he sent an email back that said, "How about fuck you, Hill?" Or maybe, okay. and this is uh, a little more abrasive than we usually are in the show, but or I can meet you at Silly Cunt Square. Yikes! Mm-hmm. Uh, and then sent some threatening emails telling them to stop looking into this story. So. weird like aggressive taunting of authors and journalists um sorry go ahead well i guess i'm just like so it seems like from everything you just said it seems like more of a power thing than like than a than a profit thing it's like i think that's probably it I'm capable of this. I can trick people into doing something that they don't want to do. And they're not stoked about having done once they've done it. Mm -hmm. And once I've done it, then I can hold that over them or I can roast them for it or I can like torture them with it. Cause I imagine if like, if you are either a, the person who didn't realize that it was penguin Randorm house, you feel shitty and like, bad about that in the first place and b i have to imagine there's like a there's like a consistent i don't know like angst maybe about like because like if that if that gets leaked as a pdf on the internet that could be a huge like financial blow to you as an author and to a publishing house or a distributor right well so in the uh I uh, forget which article I was reading this from, but one one of the articles I was reading, it may, may have been this um, New Republic article. They were saying that he probably, as 
an employee of Simon and Schuster could have just asked for most of the things he was stealing. <laughs> like, oh, publishers, like someone would have shared it with him anyway. Publishers will send advanced copies to like all kinds of like hundreds, <laughs> if not thousands of advanced copies of big titles go out to, you know, people who are going to review it to. Sure. And they're just like watermarked or whatever. So that it's yeah. like a screener for a movie or whatever, like same shit. So if the goal was just to get these manuscripts, he could have done it. Like, honestly and legally, probably in most of these cases. And then if you're not trying to sell it or profit off of it in some way, it doesn't leave a whole lot other than this, like, I just want to feel like I'm a big, powerful man thing. Or also, I mean, or, or, and there's like a psychological torture component, right? Like, I'm trying to like, I'm trying to fuck with these people's minds, and have them go, shit, what if my book leaks? Shit, what if my book leaks? Oh, this person has my book. But yeah. you can't be doing that to everybody because if you literally have over a thousand versions of this, like, unless, I mean, how much time is he actually spending torturing these individuals with the knowledge that their book has been leaked? That's, that's the other like, thing. I guess this that's my question, been, too, is... This must have been insanely time-consuming. And uh, for what? what? It, uh, and and what it did they get clear on like what the actual grift is like what did he ask for did he was did, was he posing as he was posing as someone who worked in publishing and asking for an advanced copy so it or, it wasn't always the same sometimes it was he would pose as that person's agent and say hey can you send me the most recent version of your manuscript hmm. um hmm. Sometimes it would be, you know, I'm a scout from so-and-so agency. I'd love to read what you're working on, you know, and see if we can find a publisher for it. Hmm. He also, he seemed to have some actual experience as a translator. Okay. He did have some experience as a translator. Um, and so some people have speculated that he may have been trying to get access to unpublished works in order to better position himself to translate some of those works. Like, like what? Like I already know the story or I don't know exactly. Or just to like gain a better understanding of like how that side of the industry works or what did you say his actual title was at Simon and Schuster? Um, so all I can find is that he worked at Simon and Schuster. Let me. One of these articles had a, a link to his LinkedIn. I don't know if it's still up. Um, I tried see. to see if I could buy PenguinRandornHouse.com, but it didn't work. <laughs> um, yeah, his it is his currently link, owned. His LinkedIn has disappeared. Um. I don't know. It was some like fairly low level job. I I don't think he was like an agent okay. or anything. Well, because um, the only oh, other the, thing I could think of foreign, would be found it foreign rights department of Simon, Simon and Schuster UK. Foreign rights department. Because okay, I'm just thinking out loud here. Mm -hmm. But like, is there a universe where? If you can tap into um, 
you ever you ever go on like Amazon Prime and you're like looking at you're looking at like let's say like a like a Godzilla movie and oh, like prime, in the suggested movies Prime Video yeah there's and you're oh like man they have some weird shit on there yeah and then there's like I, this is stupid but it's like giant green lizard and it's like a Godzilla like knockoff oh, movie Amazon or whatever Amazon Prime somehow got all of the like Walmart dollar bin DVD licenses for like everything like in yeah. every industry yeah. So like I'm thinking about a world where like okay if I work in like publishing rights or whatever and I want to be able to have a leg up on the competition with like what I'm selling or what's coming down the pike what I like what I have inside knowledge of what's like the subject matters or the like you know like I don't know, just generally like the, the landscape, what I know the landscape better. And then would that actually potentially help me in my role of like selling things or what I potentially prioritize? Like, Oh shit. Like I know what so-and-so's book is about that comes out in August, but I know nine months in advance, am I going to potentially market the rights to this book that has similar themes or similar, a similar story? Yeah. Or if, if this person is impersonating things too, like, Who's to say he wasn't impersonating other sides of things and maybe like sending tips or like, I don't know, like if, if he's a translator, is he going through these books and pulling out like story beats maybe, and then like anonymizing them and sending them on as like feedback to people. Like, I mean, I don't know, like, I guess, I guess there are, what I'm, what I'm getting at is like, there are probably, there are probably still like some industry benefits to gathering some of this stuff potentially maybe than like hardcore blackmailing people with these or like selling them to someone else or something like that. It also seems possible to me that he may have may not have been the only person involved in this. Sure. Like maybe he had a private buyer for some of this stuff. True. True. that kind of just kicks the question down the road a little bit because then what does that person want with it? Cause they clearly didn't like, they didn't try and profit from it in any obvious way either, but maybe it would make more sense if it were like someone, I don't know, trying to start a new publishing company or someone that, you know, may have other motivations that wouldn't be clear from, from Filippo's. And also like, just because they didn't necessarily find evidence that he didn't benefit from these in some way, like doesn't necessarily mean that he didn't, you know, like, right. Like, I mean, dude, what if, I mean, what if he put this shit in a Google drive and was like anonymously going person to person on, so he, you create a, you create an anonymous email address. You upload all of these to the Google drive f- folder of whatever and then on social media you create a social media account and you go person to person to aspiring authors and go i have a thousand a thousand manuscripts of unreleased books right now that you could go like pilfer as much as you wanted i mean i'm just like spitballing here but i'm just saying like it seems like because there isn't come up at some point though sure because somebody would report him or right whatever. once you see like, like oh this person's been arrested by the fbi yeah, this guy hit me up and I was super skeeved out by right. it. And yeah, yeah. Because like I don't know. Like a lot of the articles I, I was reading have 
quotes from people who were scammed or who he had attempted to scam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you would think you'd be able to find people on the other side, too, if that were happening. Sure. People, well, except it's slightly more nefarious on the other side because then you're an accessory if you did participate in being like yeah i wanted to see what the books had in them or that was good industry information for me or whatever so then you go like i don't know what you're talking about (laughs) maybe i'm giving the fbi too much credit that they would have been able to track that down but it seems like it wouldn't be that hard no i agree i mean i would agree that like you know, obviously they confiscate dude's phone and laptop and they get all his social accounts right. and all his email addresses. Then you look at every sent email and you look at you look at all of his internet history and you look at all of his social media accounts and anybody he messaged or whatever. And if you find like zero outbound communication about it, right. then you're sort of like, okay, like I guess this dude didn't yeah, I guess he didn't. <laughs> but like it seems unlikely that he didn't yeah. gain any gain anything. It's just you know what it seems like to me? It seems like a lot of fucking effort for yes. there to be no benefit other yes. than my personal jollies. Like it seems like a lot like, bro, think about this. It would, if you're it would buying take so much time. So much time. And you're buying money. You, and money. You're buying many different email or domains setting up email addresses on those multiple domains I mean, and then even, going through think about how think about go ahead you have a hundred <clears throat> it said 160 domains at least so if, i mean even if those are what's the cheapest domain 10 bucks uh, yeah basically i mean six if you go if you go like super but like yeah no, no call matter 10. what you're, 10. you're north of a thousand dollars yeah ju- and if he did it for years i mean he spent thousands of dollars over the course of multiple and, years Probably thousands of hours. Also, that could just be like, I mean, dude, like, uh, who knows if, who knows if he had domains from other domain services that like, maybe they wouldn't find. Like, it's possible that if this dude's creating, if he's creating fake email addresses for this, he could be creating so many alias email addresses. Like, you can create a Google account and it doesn't have to be attached to your person. Right. You know what I mean? Like if like it would not have to be attached to his government name. So he could have created other email addresses, bought domains, you know, in other sort of like semi nefarious ways. I'm just saying there could be it could have been even broader than that through some degree of anonymity. And clearly he has enough understanding of like some digital or like technical prowess to be able to exercise some of that. I mean, it's not that hard to buy a domain and make an email address, but. I mean, yeah, but like if uh, to, to legitimize it, you know, like did I mean, I don't know, did, were there actual websites on those domains to like emulate some of those publishers in case people went to them or clicked on it? Like, did he have a I don't think I don't so, know. but that would be more complicated for sure and more expensive yeah. and time consuming. And also think about the spray and pray you're doing here too, right? Like you got to be, you yeah. got to be to have succeeded. That's maybe the biggest thing he to have succeeded a over times. a thousand times. Think about how many fucking phishing emails this motherfucker probably sent. Right. Tens of thousands, maybe then, more. I mean, you get a hit and then you guys start going back and forth with somebody. Like you're sending thousands right. and thousands of emails. And you're having to like be convincing potentially mm-hmm. as multiple different people and in multiple different conversations simultaneously. The amount of effort it would take just to source that list of a thousand manuscripts or thousands sure. of manuscripts. You got to know, you got to be keeping up. And like some of this he was probably doing for his job anyway, but you got to be keeping up with like who's publishing what this quarter, who's their agent, who's right. scouting, actively scouting new works right now. Like you have to have right. a lot of knowledge and be keeping up on that 
updating that knowledge all the time to even know who to be trying to scam. That's this seems like so much more than just like a a dude being a dick on the internet. Yeah. I'm back around to this is not just I'm a book pervert and this is fun for me. I'm back further around to there's got to be some hidden benefit here that's like not being talked about or not like discovered yet. So I found the the quote uh, from this uh, New Republic article. Um, this is from Larissa Kaiser, who's a, a translator. She said, I can count on one hand the number of times I was told I couldn't receive a book that hadn't been published yet. You don't have to steal this stuff. You literally couldn't pay people to give you books fast enough if you wanted them for any remotely professional reason. So she's saying, like, I don't know why he would have even been running this scam as someone in the rights department at Simon & Schuster. If he had just emailed most of these people and said, hey, can you send me a PDF of that book? They would have. Okay, except you're... If you're doing something nefarious with it on the back end, then you would have to put an intermediary of falsity in between. But that's I guess I was saying that to your point of like that implies that he probably was because if he wasn't, there was a legal way to just if if all you're trying to do is collect unpublished titles. He had a legal and much simpler way of doing that, it seems like. Like he could literally just say, hey, I'm curious about so-and-so's upcoming manuscript. Could you send me a watermarked copy? And people are just like in the industry, cool as fuck to do that to anybody whenever they want. I know it's not the same, but think of it as, you know, someone who's released music. If some, I mean, anything from like, if a major label hits you up and says, hey, can we hear the new record you're working on? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the other end of the spectrum, if some no-name blog hits you up and says, hey, can we hear the new record? Yeah, also, of course. You know, yeah, like, right, right, right. I want people to hear my stuff. I want people to potentially review it. I want people to potentially pass it along to other people. Like, I just want it out there. Right, right, And right. realistically, I'm probably not making a ton of money off of it anyway. So, like, yeah, let's just get it out there. And again, with, a, with something like manuscripts, in the same way, to go back to the screeners comparison, there's got to be a hundred percent. There's got to be a copyright mechanism worked in. That is, you know, it's like, do you remember the rap records back in the day? You'd like, you download leaks off of or whatever. And it would be like advanced copy, such and such only. There'd be like yeah. audio over the audio. Occasionally that would tell you like, you're listening to something. An, you're not an audio watermark basically. Yeah. Yeah. Audio watermarks. Um, but that has to be, that has to happen with these written manuscripts because then somebody could, they could throw it into a, you know, a, a, a book scanner and fucking throw it on the internet and probably fuck you over if it was completely unconnected to somebody. So that goes back again to the, he probably did have a reason to be a, to impersonate somebody to not be himself because he was doing something nefarious with the content on the back end. It's just like, it seems like is, it. What is that? Right. To the the point about watermarking and like tracking this stuff, he exclusively wanted PDFs. Okay, digital, easier for sharing. But as opposed to like other digital formats even. Oh, like I don't want an EPUB. Like if you sent a Word document, he would say, no, please send a PDF. You can save a Word document as a PDF. Exactly. Okay. 
and I don't I don't think that would be like a watermarking or like tracking situation because you can do that with a PDF just as easily as you can do it with other formats. Right. And right. like you said, like you can convert one to the other. <laughs> it's Pretty not easily. It's not hard. Yeah. And then why um, why PDF? Yeah, I don't know. The whole thing is very weird. And then the the biggest one of the biggest questions to me is like why does the FBI have anything to do with this? None of this happened on U.S. soil. It's not a U.S. citizen. It's not even a U.S. company. The, U- the United States... Is Simon w- & Schuster not based here? I mean, if they are, he worked. He was working for the U.K. branch. I mean, yeah, it might I be an American company, if, I guess. If they're based in New York mm. and they reported a crime having committed, been committed. Headquarters, Manhattan. Okay, that was my thought. Currently like, that's owned, probably why. Currently owned by Paramount. So that would be my take: is then there was there was a crime reported by by an the American company, company, an American company that said, "Yo, we keep getting more like Simon and Shyster." Am I right? Because this guy's a shy, a real shyster, and we're. Getting, and we're getting <laughs> and we're getting and we're getting scammed out of all our manuscripts and we don't know fucking why we don't know fucking how but yeah. we have these like persistent phishing attacks and then they report everything to the FBI and then the digital crimes unit goes in and starts digging into these phishing emails and where they're coming from and and then they start you know going to the whoever whatever domains they're registered to and then going to those companies and saying hi we're the fbi and we'd like to know who this is registered to and blah 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 blah. blah. yeah crazy that, and then like, if it takes them across the sea then it takes them across the sea but if dude had never come to new york he probably wouldn't have gotten arrested yeah no i mean well yeah i mean i, I guess you could maybe convince the uk or italy to yeah, extradite him we yeah because we have extradition with with the UK for sure, I think, right? Yeah, who the fuck knows what's going on between those two countries mm-hmm. these days? That's true. Both of our presidents did their best to fuck everything up for the last few years. <laughs> <laughs> Make everyone hate them. True, true, true. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that would, I guess I'm just saying that would, m- m- mostly that would track to me that they, they got involved through that. But okay, but here's another question. So you're Simon and & Schuster, and this has been happening to you for Five years? Yeah. We're on pace to get 200 manuscripts stolen from us. Stolen, well, no, no, I no, guess. No, 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 no. He worked for Simon & Schuster. He was not stealing from Simon & Schuster, which also still makes the FBI thing weird. Oh. Well, okay, but he's probably but he's probably stealing from U.S.-based publishers or all U.S.-based publishers. I'm sure some some of them were. Uh, He spent a lot of time stealing very small Icelandic titles. Which, yeah, which is super weird. There's, uh, let's see. Uh, This is from that same New Republic article. Um, He rarely chased after the manuscripts of popular authors. Instead, he focused on debut writers and authors with smaller profiles like, and and there, mm, I don't know, some long Icelandic name with too many consonants. 
who told me he can re- reliably count on his books selling about a thousand copies in Iceland. Quote, it's totally worthless material in the sense that it's in a language, <laughs> it's in a language that at most 350,000 people speak. There's no reason for it. Love that this author called his own book totally worthless <laughs> material. <laughs> but hey, you know how people make niche content? My shit is like niche content beyond niche content. I don't even like with, it. I don't, <laughs> I don't even, to be honest, I don't even know why I do this anymore. God damn. Actually, you know what? Th- I'm, I'm, I need to thank this guy. He's proved to me that my entire profession is worthless and I'm going to go do something else with my life. I'm grateful. Honestly, I'm grateful that I've been thieved. So what on earth, like, I keep just going back and forth because like, okay, if you have some sort of, way that you're trying to profit off of this. What the fuck are you going to do with a book in a language that no one speaks from an author who regularly sells less than a thousand copies? Yeah, that part is particularly weird. And I do want to talk about that, but the thing I want to go back to really quickly is, okay, so he even if he doesn't work, or he works for Simon Schuster, but even if he's not stealing for Simon and Schuster, he's got, the FBI has to have found out about this, right? Clearly, they and did. It has to, yeah. Right. And it and it has to be enough of a like problem per se for them to be like, we are going to take this on as I mean, the FBI has cases they turn down all the time, all the time. Right. They I don't just have don't resources know what, to take on every crime that happens. I just don't know what that reason would be in this case and why they That's, would be why it would be their jurisdiction to do something about it. This is what I'm getting at is did something happen that is like it had something had to have happened that prompted them to go. This is bad enough for us to dedicate our resources to it, to track this guy down and get rid of him. But that's what I'm confused about is if he's doing if he's averaging thieving 200 manuscripts a year for five years from various companies around the world, but he never quote unquote, did anything with this shit. He didn't sell this shit. Like nothing technically improper happened with these. Well, what is the actual? You're still stealing them. Even if you don't then resell them. Like if I steal a piece of art from a museum to hang in my house, it's just as much of a crime as if I turn around and resell it to someone. Yes, I guess I would argue, though, that like the difference with a piece of art is like there's there is one version of that piece of art. It's almost like this guy was taking a picture of a piece of art and then hanging it in his own home. Sure. I'm sure there are also laws about impersonating people online. No, absolutely. I'm just saying I'm not saying what he did wasn't a crime. I'm just saying the fact it doesn't strike me as a serious enough impact from like an international perspective that the FBI would be like, wow, we really need to dedicate a digital team to this and track this person down. If all he's doing is literally taking these manuscripts in PDF format and storing them on his personal Google drive. Like that to me doesn't like, yes, it sucks and it's shitty, but like there's fucking phishing schemes and scams that are happening all the time. And yes, they're getting looked into by, well, by multinational, you know, law enforcement organizations. But I'm just saying like, you wouldn't know. know that he wasn't doing anything with them until you looked into it though. But wouldn't you though? Because wouldn't, wouldn't one of these publishers be able to be like, 
yo, our book got leaked on this website and it's like on it, whatever, like what the fuck. But if he wasn't doing that, how would you like, you wouldn't have proof that a crime had been committed beyond the concept of he impersonated somebody and fished a book out of us. Right. But he could at any point try and sell that to someone. He could leak it. I mean, if you have thousands, like that's a huge liability regardless of yeah, if he if chooses to do something with it or not. Yeah, but if they're five years old, those books have come out at this point, right? Yeah, some of them. Well, the five-year-old ones, I'm sure, yeah. I mean, I would imagine most of them had, had yeah. come out at that point. I I understand I why know. you would want to investigate and potentially prosecute this person. Yeah. Um, You know, as a company, I, I don't want someone... If I'm, you know, Penguin Random House... I don't want somebody like that's going to even if there's not a direct cost in that manuscript, that could cost me future opportunities. Yeah. Future work. Like if if I have somebody pretending to be me emailing the authors that I manage, that's a huge problem regardless of what's happening in that interaction. Yeah, true, true, true. That could that could have been part of it or maybe maybe the biggest part of it, honestly, is the impersonation of people at he's impersonating real people. Yeah, it would be like if somebody like if it would be really hard to do, but like it'd be like if somebody spoofed a Google email address and then was like reaching out as part of the Google legal department to like Amazon and Apple and like trying to steal company secrets. Yeah, if I put it in that perspective and be like, like the FBI would be very interested in trying to find the person who is impersonating a Google employee and reaching out to other tech companies in the space and like trying to steal things that are that are, you know, in their, in their records or whatever, because regardless of whether or not that shit was like getting sold on the internet or the black market or whatever. And it, it, it potentially gives Simon and Schuster, or it could an advantage over these other publishers, because now I know their publishing schedules. I know what they have yeah. coming up. I know what types of things they're scouting for right now. Yeah, I know yeah, their yeah. release calendar for the, the rest of the year. Like it could there's like a inside trading. Yeah, basically <laughs> a little bit, not exactly, but a little bit or for him as a, you know, potential translator or whatever, like, okay, I know who's got what titles coming up in what languages next quarter. I know which yeah, markets yeah, yeah. they're trying to license those to. Now I can, as Fili- as Filippo, now I can go to Penguin Random House and say, oh, you need this book translated from English to, to Italian because you you wanted to right. get into this market next quarter. Look, I offer that service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. However, you know what's he interesting? Didn't do that, <laughs> it seems, which right. is still weird. But I, I definitely you know see why inter- it's a problem. I just don't know why it would have been the FBI's problem. I, that's maybe more so what I'm also getting at. Is I definitely understand why it's a problem. It just doesn't seem like a necessarily a big enough problem for for an international, you know, FBI investigation. Or, but the more we've talked about it, the more I'm like, well, yeah, kind of. Is this not a thing that like Interpol or somebody would be better suited to handle? Mm, There's probably levels like type, like crime types. I think it's the type of crime being perpetrated and who it's being perpetrated against. So like, I don't know. I mean, I would imagine there are certain things that the FBI is more or less equipped to take on based on who the crime is committed against. It's just weird, Um, man. Cause like, I, oh, I, weird, I would love sure. to know how it first came to their attention. 
Like it must be it must be one of the American publishers that got scammed. Sure. Some dude, somebody forwarded an email at some point to one or many of these publishers, maybe, and said, Hey yo, Adam at Peng penguinrandornhouse.com is an email address that we keep getting fucking emails from and they're trying to get a hold of manuscripts and we keep finding out that it's not a real email address like you're y'all might want to <laughs> yeah y'all might want to look into why someone's trying to be someone at your company that isn't that person at your company what dude one of the things that just popped in my head going back to the um the fucking was it sweden no iceland the icelandic oh, the, the tiny icelandic authors yeah a thing that is popping into my head right now is if you if you wanted to steal story ideas and not get in trouble for it, a really good way to do that would be to go seek out super duper hyper small releases. Yeah. In a language that not a lot of people speak so that they so most people would never know where that story was sourced from. So and you could rip that whole story and rewrite it in another language with with different plot points and different character names that kind of just just make it like a copyright thing like that to me is actually would be a would be a pretty sizable explanation for why you would go after those types of manuscripts. Well, and it may it, it did cross my mind that a like a screenwriter accomplice would make a lot of sense here. Sure. For for that reason of your your scouting ideas and stories and adaptations and then you also have plausible deniability if down the road they're like, wow, this this script is really similar to this novel. And you could be like, I gave you that script two years before that novel even came out. I don't yeah, like 100%. there's no way I stole that idea. A hundred percent, especially if you're doing it through another intermediary where like maybe you're selling script ideas to writers. Right. And then you're going like, yeah, I have you're I have writing, a bunch of you're writing a few pages of a bunch of different ideas and trying to get somebody to buy one. hundred yeah. percent. Or, or you're even going like, Hey, we offer a service where we sell completely unique story ideas. Yeah. And we, you know, and, and we'll give you a, we'll give you an outline of the story and all the beat points and the characters and all that shit. And then you go write your fucking screenplay and fill go in, try to sell fill it in to the universal. blanks to make your screenplay. Right. Yeah. But then, but then you uh, go, the, okay, cool. It's not an original idea, but I'm still going to get, you know, I, I can pay for an original idea, but the idea that you're paying for isn't even an original idea because it's being stolen from an Icelandic novel writer. Yeah. The, uh, the last potential motivation that's, that I could find suggested in, in any of these articles is that, um, he had published, Berndini published a book as a teenager that did like oh. okay in Italy. Hmm. And so maybe he was scouting these ideas for himself to potentially oh, interesting. start pitching some of his own works for publication. Again, he didn't do that, but maybe that was like right. the long-term plan or he was working on, hmm. on ideas and hadn't actually pitched them yet. Or the thing that's such, that's so weird to me though, is like, if you're stealing advanced copies of manuscripts, they're going to come out. Right. You, you have a short window to do something with them. 
Yeah, like a very short window. So if you're so if you're waiting for five years, that's not useful anymore. Everyone has that doing, that book. <laughs> right, yeah. right, right. Mo, many most people have that book, and that book is already getting published. I mean, the fact that it's a manuscript means it is. It's like in the canon or it's like about to be loaded into the canon and preparing to be shot into the I don't, world. I don't know if it was always like finished manuscripts because he was sometimes posing as a scout too. So like that would make a little more sense if, you know, if you're taking sure unfinished ideas from people that don't have a, aren't associated with a publisher yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're at, okay. See, and this is when the script really sucks is if you're actually stealing content from just like small independent authors. Like, I, I have way less of a problem with this if it's like I'm a Simon and Schuster author, and this guy got my uh, uh, author and my and this guy got my book seven months before it hit Barnes and Noble. So did, I'd be so like, so did every publication? Yeah, any, yeah any like book reviewer in the country also got a PDF right. of that book. Right. But posing as like agents or publishers or distributors or whatever to like small independent fucking authors and being like, hey, I have interest in your book. Like that's fucking wicked shitty. Yeah. Bring it back to like, you know, the the world that I'm familiar with, like sending an advanced copy of a finished record out, whatever. You know, there are thousands of those laying on the floor of every college radio station around the country <laughs> you know like and again totally 100 if you emailed me and asked me i would send you a link every time regardless yeah. of who yeah. you are totally but if you went through my folder of like works in progress or pulled like some, pulled some beats out or yeah or like you know songs with other people on them or like whatever and then i don't know what you did with it yeah, way bigger yeah, yeah. problem Way bigger problem. You're now right. you're now potentially affecting my ability to release that work at all. Yes. But again, Wait. he didn't. <laughs> as far as we right. can tell, he did not. As far as we can tell, he didn't over the over having done it over a thousand times. And maybe if I'm getting real conspiratorial, maybe that's why you would just plead guilty. Is so that you don't have to do any sort of discovery or no one has to dig further into this. You can be like. Yep, you totally found everything, and I did all that. Here, yeah. I'll do my two years and pay my $80,000 fine or whatever. Yeah. I mean, at what point do you even, like, how do you even, like, how do you even build the plaintiffs for this case? Like, is, I mean, I guess you go through his all of his communication records to find every author that he ever reached out to, but even that is, like, I don't know how you seems know. like there's no foolproof way to do that. I don't know how you'd ever be certain that you have everything either. I don't think you could. Yeah. I, I, I think I, if I had to pick, I feel like there's some version of selling people's story ideas to someone else and that you maybe aren't selling the stories, but you are somehow like you're grabbing these narratives, these arcs from these authors before they've made their way into the hands of a publisher and you're trying to give someone a leg up to go write their own story. I I don't know. I mostly agree with you. It just seems strange to me that no evidence of that would have been found. I agree. And so much evidence of the other side would have been found. You know, you've, you've found evidence of him taking a thousand manuscripts or works in progress. You have found 160 domains that he made so clearly you have access to like 
a lot of information yeah. about this guy and a lot of his, yeah, yeah. you know, internet history, every, everything. Also, like a lot of money must have been changing hands for just for those domains. Like that's 160 at least individual transactions. Yeah, yeah, right. So you've got a ton of information on that, like an overwhelming amount of information on that side and nothing about the other side. That seems like it would be hard yeah. to do considering how poorly he seems to have covered his tracks on the front side. Yeah, sure, sure. Including like sending threatening emails to people, you know, like. Right. And breaking his cover in yeah. some capacity or and another. traveling to the United States. Like he, he did so yeah. many stupid things on the acquiring these books side. To have perfectly covered his tracks on the selling this stuff side seems unlikely. Unless, I mean, another component of this is unless there's another party involved that he's not ratting on and yeah. he just entirely is eating this case to try to make it as small as possible. But if he is somehow ferrying all these PDFs to another person and that person is doing all of the fucking, Man, you know, you would think you'd be able to track shit, that, but maybe not. Potentially, yeah, potentially. Unless it's like, I don't know, unless it's like... And then what would be the motivation for him? He'd have to be getting paid somehow for that, right? I give you... I give you... I give you hundreds of unreleased manuscripts a year and you go sell the story ideas to aspiring screenwriters, authors, studios, whatever. But Bernardini would have to be getting a cut or some money somehow to have. Oh, you're saying like, where, where's the there financial would be a paper trail somewhere this. of him getting, you know, the, the fruits of that labor back. And that's the weirdest part is again, the window of opportunity has shut on so many of these manuscripts right. without there being evidence that he was in fact getting right. Compensated for doing something with them. Well, and also without any evidence of these stories showing up anywhere else. Right. Right. Very right. weird. I I, th I think I'm settling more on the like, this is a flex, and I'm a little unwell. <laughs> I mean, there's there's definitely that going on here. Like this but is something I, guess I can I, do because I'm I'm a cool publishing guy, and I I know the internet, and I'm gonna trick these people, and I'm gonna collect all this cool stuff that no one else has, and I'm gonna be a dick about it because I can, and then also like yeah. you know maybe mix in like, this guy's not doing so well. Yeah, or and or there might also be a small component of it too. That's like, and eh, this gives me some industry landscape knowledge, and so I do it to get like the industry landscape knowledge that I want to get out of it or, with slightly advanced notice in a way that I wouldn't like maybe normally get. Or maybe it started as that, and then he found some sort of thrill in it or something. But yeah, the, like, or like I was doing this here and there, but now that I realized I'm getting info from it, and I get a little bit of a a power uh, authority component out of it. Now I'm gonna like. It, quintuple down on my efforts and start disguising them. And it is interesting that he did not work in publishing when he started this scam. And he did when he got, by the time he got caught. Yeah. Did not consider that yet. So like, maybe As that's in, the motivation. I did all this to flex my, like to build my brain around how the industry works so and can, how manuscript stories. And I, I mean, I would also know who's hiring, who needs foreign rights, uh, people, if I go into an interview, yeah. I have a leg up because I know a lot about the inner working of this company. I'm familiar with yeah. their authors, like maybe, but like a lot of that shit would be roughly public knowledge anyway. Yeah. 
that all, that also in some ways makes me go like was there a was there an added benefit of getting even closer to the industry at that? So like, was he benefiting somehow in their first four years? And he was like, yo, but if I'm actually a Simon and Schuster employee, then I could unlock blah, 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 blah doors. Yeah. So I'm going to try to even get closer to like a primary victim of my scams or something. Yeah, I don't know. I, th- this one feels kind of like the glitter conspiracy to me, bro, where it's like, there's like, there feels like there's gotta be an answer here but it's like not entirely clear and it feels like a little sus, but the, the combative, like I'm not settled the combative, like hyper aggressive emails puts in a wrinkle to me too, of like this guy's this guy maybe is like dealing with some shit or is like not approaching this fully rationally, I guess. Sure, but also a lot of people are assholes behind anonymity. And if he really thought he was anonymous, like maybe he's just like, I can be an asshole to these people all I want. The, the definitely still, the taunting I mean, component of like, here's a section from your book shit. That shit's for sure fucking weird. Cause you don't you're not benefiting there is no tangible benefit from that right. other than the psychological benefit of like torturing these people. Right. even if you're doing it just because you can, that doesn't like to me, that doesn't make it better. <laughs> that doesn't make you less like. No, no, no. I don't know. I, but just because you're anonymous and then choose to do that with said ano- anonymity sends up the same red flags for me. Sure. I'm just I'm just making the argument that a lot of people are assholes behind their anonymity. Uh and it's not just because they're like unwell or like a shitty person. Like they're that th- that could be a component of this on top of some sort of like slightly nebulous benefit that is yeah. like I, I guess, yeah. I, I guess so. that's all I'm saying is like that seems to be part of the puzzle. Totally, totally. I don't know, man. It's fucking weird. No matter how you look at it. Well, I want to. Okay, we should turn this into a watch for 23 because a I want to see how much time this guy gets for this. Well, I think he. Uh, yeah, I should probably. Has he been sentenced? I think he has. Let me. Oh, okay. Well, um, now I definitely want to know. Let me see. This, the arrest was like over a year ago, and then the plea was, I think, within the last week or two. Say last week, yeah. Um, well, but pleading guilty, I mean, sentencing's probably not. Probably hasn't happened yet. You usually wouldn't go that quickly from plea to sentence, but this maybe. is January seventh from the BBC. So like as we're recording about 10 days ago. Um pled guilty. He's also only 30 years old. He started doing this shit when he was 24. Um, That's crazy. Let's see. Oh, sentenced in April. There we go. Okay. Faces a maximum of 20 years. <laughs> Ooh, buddy. I bet he didn't think that was the number attached to what he was doing while he was doing it. Well, and again, like, why? U.S.? Why? Why is this in the U.S.? Yeah. Like, even if the FBI arrested him, why wouldn't you send his ass back to the U.K.? Yeah. Like, if I go to the U.K. and get arrested for something I did in the States, they're not going to put me in in a... English prison for 20 years. Uh, right? 
he'd send me home and I'd have a trial there. Oh, nah, nah, not if the crime you were committing was against like a British company, though. Well, why isn't he being arrested by Iceland then? <laughs> you know, they have cops in Iceland. I mean, <laughs> yes, we got to. You don't have to. Uh, I guess you don't have to. <laughs> but <laughs> have, we, have we learned nothing in the last three years, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I guess that was also kind of like my question about like assembling the plaintiff in a case like this too, right? Is like, like this, like this version of this is probably like the United States versus this guy because the United States is acting on behalf of probably a group of companies that reported, you know, impersonation. Cause that's, that's one of the crimes he's pleading guilty to, right? Is impersonation or, uh, yeah, defraud from defrauding. So the, the U S attorney, Southern District of New York put out a press release on the 5th. Um, U.S. Attorney of the Southern District of New York and the Assistant Director in Charge of New York Office of the FBI announced the unsealing of an indictment charging Filippo Bernardini with wire fraud and aggravated identity theft. Um, was arrested at wire JFK. Fraud? You say wire fraud? Yeah. Doesn't wire fraud have to be money? Isn't wire fraud money? I sure don't know. I mean, he obtained things illegally via the, the, the internet. internet. I don't know if it has but, to. If, wouldn't that just be fraud, not wire fraud? Isn't like no idea. wire fraud literally wiring money? Oh, we should know. shout out the whatever the publication and the author was from that, that article you read a quote from. Yeah, so I'll I'll link to... I was combining things from like five or six articles. I will I will uh, link it, to right. them in the in the show notes. The I think the one I referenced most is called "The Bizarre Unsolved Mystery of Filippo Bernardini and the Stolen Book Manuscripts," um, written by Alex Shepard, published in New Republic. Um, but that was from February of last year, after he had been arrested, but before he had pled. Fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah, this is uh this doesn't fall into my category of grift because it's grifting uh a, or a good grift. It is a grift, but it's not a good grift. A good oh, grift no. hurts. A good grift is like a like like a grift that hurts a megacorp or something like that. That like that I'm like, I don't give a shit. This but if is... it hurts like small independent authors, I give a shit. <laughs> yes. It's in no gray area for me though, because did it hurt those authors? Like, uh, well, I, I, I mean, there's definitely of, uh, the, like indirect negative effects of this for sure. Yes. But like, I doubt those authors sold fewer books or like had fewer opportunities because one extra person got an advanced copy of their book, you know? Yeah, but yeah, but there's the psychological component that I do not fuck with of like a sure. lot of people got fucked with and got this like held over their heads for potentially years. I mean, particularly if nothing ever happened, like you might've always been Just like, worried about it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Like particularly if it was somebody who wrote a book that didn't maybe get published yet. And you're like, I fucking, I fucking found out that I sent it to some fucking right. scammer. I, gonna, I have no idea where it is. I'm trying to pitch this book and sign. Am I about to sign a deal for a, $200,000 advance to publish my first novel and then it's going to show up on the internet. 
hey, bro, I just had my best theory so far of this entire episode. And it's like right before we're about just to took finish. Us 72 minutes to get there. What do you got? If you are a, if you are a, uh, foreign rights person mm-hmm. and your, your specialty is in translating, mm-hmm. how do we know this guy isn't taking Icelandic books? Oh, translating them into foreign languages and selling them under pseudonyms or pen names in like fucking Thailand or like China or like some completely different country and being like, I have hella fucking really good manuscripts on deck ready to go. And if they're like really, if you're really doing them in like super duper separate locations, separate geographies, separate languages, separate publishing houses, and you, and you really niche it down far enough there's probably a distinct chance that a, you get away with it for a prolonged period of time and B that like, you know, no one's going to know off rip that you're stealing stories from other people and selling them in other foreign languages. Granted, there is the component that you mentioned, which is where's the financial compensation for, for this. But again, if there's a third party or maybe that compensation is hidden somewhere and the FBI maybe didn't successfully, you know, like, I don't know. I think that's Maybe our, the money's hidden. I think that's our best hypothesis yet, but I do still have the issue of like there should be a paper trail still. Yes. Yes, of compensation for like this happening. Because like Yeah, that com- unless it's like some third party that's paying you in crypto or something. Like if you're actually selling this in any regular way, money's going to hit your bank account eventually. Like somebody's not paying you cash for a manuscript. I mean, maybe somebody is, but like, then they have to go do something like eventually it's got to hit a regular transaction of some kind, I would think to have. Yeah. I mean, I mean, unless, unless it is crypto, I mean, think about like, you know, there's dude, there's gotta be a market for people buying unreleased manuscripts in foreign countries to be able to like sell or market as their own in foreign languages. This dude's just the biggest author in China right now. Yeah. He's like, (laughs) this is like, this dude has written more Thai books than anybody in the world. And he's all getting paid exclusively in Bitcoin. He's going to do three years and then come back to 50 million in a crypto wallet somewhere. Yeah, exactly. And he's like fucking so worth it. I don't give a shit at all. I'm going to go chill in like a minimum security prison because I did the equivalent of a white collar. Because I did the equivalent of a white collar crime as far as literally anyone is concerned. Going to jail for stealing books is literally the softest shit I've ever heard in my whole life. Bro, he's going to go to prison (laughs) in New York City. So he's going to go to like fucking Rikers and they're going to be like, what are you in for? You're in like federal court for having late library books, you dumb bastard. Yeah, totally. (sighs) Not really. All right. Well, that's my, that's, it did. It took us to the last minute of the episode, but that's my theory is dude is translating these and selling them in a foreign country. I like it. I think we solved it, Ryan. I think we did it. Let us know what you think. Facebook group's popping lately. Go tell us in the Facebook group if we missed something. We missed a detail. Ryan. Where can people hear your new record that is out in the world right now? Uh, Yeah, anywhere you listen to music, uh, you can uh, can search for... What's that? Is is that on my iPod? I I can... I'm I'm like... Is it on that What was the fucking... I only I only get music from two dope boys. Is it on there? I should put it on uh, that piff. 
Uh, yeah, anywhere you listen to music, Spotify, Apple Music, search for uh, my name, Ryan Copperud, and uh, it'll come up. It's called Before What Came After. Otherwise, you can go to copperud.co slash music, and you can find it on my website there, too. Thanks for listening to this and that and him and me. We love you. See you later.